This week in the media election cycle, Joe Biden has two of his worst gaffes to date. We're going to discuss how they happened, what was said, and did they cost Joe Biden the black vote? And then we're going to get into the White House reaching out to the South Dakota governor, inquiring about possibly putting Trump on Mount Rushmore. Let's get into this. Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K Cartoon. This is RX Phonics. We are the Audio Apes, and you are officially Hanging with Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair and our take on it. Two guys from the south side of Chicago. There is explicit language at times, so be advised. Go on over to Twitter. Follow us at Hanging with Apes. Going over to our website, that's hangingwithapes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip-hop music, go to any major music streaming platform, type in Audio Apes, and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. It truly is the best. You can follow me personally at Kill Cartoon on Twitter. You can follow him personally at, at RX Phonics on Twitter. Big show, lot to cover. Biden is giving us a lot to cover. <laughs> the White House wants to reach out to, whoa, they did reach out to the South Dakota governor to put Trump on Mount Rushmore. What should we cover first? The Mount Rushmore thing, there's a lot more attached to that particular story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a little bit more complex than just simply being put on Mount Rushmore. But the Biden stuff is pretty complex, too. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's oh, that man. complex of a guy, but the stuff that he's on right now is pretty complex yeah let's let's get into this biden stuff just because oh lord (laughs) oh lord so now without (laughs) without i'm going to start this segment off with a question without going into the gaffes that we're going to talk about on this episode for this segment specifically what are what is the 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 worst gaffe so far for you from Biden, mm, probably the one with Charlemagne the God. I mean, there's a lot of questionable ones, but I'll probably say that one was, man, which was if you don't vote for, if you have a problem choosing between voting for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Yeah, that's that just, was wild. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Like I don't even. Why did you? Well, what? What? <laughs> Actually, I mean, to me, that particular gaffe, if you want to call it that, really shows what he thinks. And what we're going to get into today more or less coincides with that same way of thinking. Yeah, I I actually think that the the one that's circling now is, is worse, but I think that the stage... That he was on with Charlemagne the God he to set say the stage. that, yeah, yeah. It's like, man, you would really. I mean, come on, Charlemagne was on your side at least. Like, he, you really fucked this up. That's like, that's like Obama messing up on like CNN or something. Like, really? Yeah. Come on, man. What are you a junkie? <laughs> <laughs> How do you mess this up? So it, I don't. I can't. And I guess what what bothers me is, like, nothing is questioned. Well, I mean, plenty of people are questioning it. But I'm saying news outlets aren't really questioning that this man, Joe Biden, 
cannot finish a sentence without getting lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how, how do you... You're saying... You're just answering a question. How do you get lost mid-question? Like, in that same interview where he was talking about uh, the black community not being diverse like the Latino community, he has moments where they ask him about China and... Well, you kind of gave away the what yeah. we're going to talk about, but yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, well, well, we're definitely going to get into that, but in, like a smaller dose of, of just him messing up is the, the whole China thing. He's answering, he's talking about who, and then he starts saying words that don't even, there's not even words, and then he gets lost, trips himself up, and then loses focus, and then starts answering something, and then loses focus again, it's yeah. like, and, and no one says anything. No one uh, on, on his side, and he's just holed up in that basement, messing up almost every chance that he gets. It's like he wants to get on TV so he can mess up royally. Yeah. So, so uh, as you kind of got from from everything he was saying there, the two segments that we're going to discuss are the the both from with a CBS reporter and. Um, it, it seemed like it was being hosted by Yahoo News because Yahoo has a banner on there, but it was with a CBS reporter, and in one particular part of the report, he asks the reporter, who is black, if he's a junkie, <laughs> and uh, when the reporter presses him about a cognitive ability test, which, mind you is something that a lot of people have questions about. I mean, the top podcast in the nation, its host, Joe Rogan, is thoroughly of the belief that Joe Biden is suffering from some sort of cognitive decline. And Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is in as in the middle of things as you possibly get. Actually, I would even venture to say that he leans a bit more to the left. But with all of that being said, it seems like Biden takes offense to being pressed about taking a cognitive ability test. And so when the reporter asks him if he's taken the test, which in the past he said he has, that he takes them all the time. In this particular instance, he said that he hasn't taken a test. He shows that he's very offended by it. And in all that being offended, he goes on to say, come on, man. That's like asking you if you took cocaine before this interview. Did you take a test for that? What? What are you, a junkie? And the reporter, very classy, like just more or less brushes it off, which would have been like a great internet moment for him to push back on that a little bit, yeah. but he didn't find whatever. But it didn't matter. It still set the internet ablaze. In that same report, in that same interview... Joe Biden goes on to more or less on the stage that he set with the Charlemagne the God interview where he says, if you have trouble picking between me and Trump, then you're not black. He performs on that stage further by saying that the Latino community has diversity in thought, but that the black community doesn't so uh, the the it, by his estimate the black community is monolithic which is kind of crazy because it does very much coincide with what happened in the Charlemagne the God interview saying if you have trouble picking between me and Trump you ain't black that's like a very uh, uh, 
that that that's a that's a display of you thinking that the black community is monolithic in thought and like oh they're all the same so no. there's already two instances where you made a mistake but they're in the same realm of one another which leads me to believe that this is what he really thinks about the black community obviously he does show and display that he has a great amount of respect for obama but even in when he even in that same that same statement where he talks about the black community he says with exception so he's like essentially what he's saying is that there are people in the black community the leaders that like are exceptional but the rest are kind of they more or less just fall by the wayside so i'm going to play the clips right now so you all can hear exactly what was said when he spoke with uh, the interview, the interviewer or the the member of the media from CBS, uh, Errol Barnett, and here's the first clip. Come on, man! All right. That's like saying you much. Have you taken a cognitive? No, test? I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man! That's like saying you before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are you, what do you say? So there you have it where he asked if he was a junkie. And then now here's the one about the diversity in the Hispanic community that apparently the black community lacks. Yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Yes. And by so... There you had the two clips, um, and he even says, with a few notable exceptions, the black community is not diverse. Which, and he says it, and like you, it was it was well crafted enough for you to kind of gather that he was serious about that. Yeah, you can't and didn't and didn't and and one of those like that's like staunch racism where you're saying something so racist that you don't even think that the person is going to interpret it as racist versus saying something where you know might be a little like like ruffle a few feathers but you're you're saying it in jest because you feel like the other side, you know, can handle it. There you know, I I don't when I hear or see things like that, I don't particularly perceive it as racist, but something like this is like deep-seated rooted stuff where like you don't even realize that you're thinking a certain way and presumably you've been thinking this way for years. Yeah, and it's almost boastful in a way saying, oh, uh, anything that I say, you guys are going to vote for me anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when people had a problem when Trump said, uh, vote for me, what do you have to lose? I think that's some real shit, though. I think that's you saying... You guys have voted left, and they have done nothing for you. I will do something for you. And you're you're and when you when you make a statement like that, you're not making a statement about the individual. You're no. making a statement about the circumstance and their environment and the results and and what they've had to endure by constantly giving their vote to the left to the left wing of politics. There's nothing in that statement of what do you have to lose 
that can really even be signified as racist because yeah. it's not about you as an individual and your shortcomings or anything like that. Yeah. It's about the because it's about politics yeah. and it's about voting and voter blocks. This, though, this is about the way the community thinks or yeah. believes or what you expect them to do because of their race, because of their color. And if you look at how long it's been, right? The 60s all the way till now. Like the the from the 60s, that was the birth of like mainstream identity politics. Then what it, it fast forwarded to like I think what was about 70s or 80s to it, it it even got more detailed which was intersectional. Literally, they have a graph. Um let me see if I can pull it up. And in that graph it's like a circle. And it has where you stand in the either if you're if, if you're privileged or oppressed. And it's like all this feeds 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 into this narrative that oh you're you're oppressed because of your skin color, you're oppressed because of your gender, you're oppressed because of your current predicament. And this is why this person's winning. This is why this person's losing. And it's become such a mode of thought. And really, for lack of a better term, uh, you've created this boogeyman that does not exist. It's a boogeyman. And you fast forward to Biden saying something like that. Of course you feel comfortable saying that because you've been... The narrative was created and what, 80 years? 80 years. No, 60 years. 60 years of, of, of this. And, I mean, you'll say something like this because you feel that nothing that you say is is going to make you lose this voter block. You're calling black people dumb. That's what you're doing. And then people wonder why. And people have the nerve to get mad that Kanye West has a gripe with this man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy because I could tell that Kanye has taken offense. You think we think monolithically. Fuck you. We don't. We have thoughts on, on like, we should have conversations. His whole thing, he made a track with T.I. About, about this very sort of situation. Where two black men disagree on certain things and they can have a conversation about this. According to Biden, though, Black men don't have these conversations. Black women don't have... Black people don't have these conversations. They just, you know... Except for a few... <laughs> except for a few exceptional ones at the top. The, yeah. That is racist as fuck. That's, yeah, that's essentially the definition of racism. And the media does continuously give him a slide on these things. And it's very interesting because today on CNN with Brian Stelter... He had a segment where he had four different people on there, and it was so tone deaf, it was ridiculous. You see that these people really do not live in the real world. When Brian Stelter had the audacity to say that it's unheard of and unseen and, and so outlandish that there are so many media outlets that are designed and dedicated to get at Joe Biden. 
what you mean the other way around there's so many media outlets that are have been designed to get at trump joe biden has been getting a slide on everything or do you not think that these particular things that the right-wing media or the alternative media or independent media are bringing up and no. and and are deeming issues do you think that that's nonsense you clearly don't live in the real world you clearly don't see <laughs> things the way that people see them. No, I mean, not to mention, like, basically what they're doing is they're like a big-ass high-rise of buildings, and it's like all these news outlets and his administration, and you're like, stay on top, okay? Stay on top of the building. Don't move. We'll protect you from Trump. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the win. Just don't do anything crazy. He's like, all right, and then he just jumps off. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you have a whole high-rise of people protecting you from losing, and you're still flirt like well, I, I, to me I feel I feel like he jumped off of the building at this point but how and then there's a bias against him really really yeah. that oh and then not to mention uh, you, you saw that the report when they were talking about how China and Russia prefer Biden to win oh uh, Pelosi even said that today yeah and uh yeah on one of the Sunday news uh political news shows they're showing that the governments uh would prefer I, of course china would prefer biden to win because trump hasn't been nice to them since he's gotten into office since they won yeah but hmm, that's very weird that's very weird because why would but i don't understand with her why would you even say that shit out loud yeah that's just, but i mean i i didn't see the i saw that she talked about it. i didn't see the context in which she was she asked about it or was she just kind of mentioned i saw it? a clip about it i don't really know but she did she did say that China w would prefer Joe Biden to be president. Yeah, and and it's like, well, imagine you did this whole Russia thing about Trump. You really squeezed every single just juice out of this. Like you, everything, the lemon was dry by the time. <laughs> yeah, impeachment came, and it's like, well, you. This is an article about Biden and and nothing. No, uh, we're not worried about anything. Don't worry about it. The the left wing right now, I think, really has to feel kind of shitty uh, after everything that they've thrown at Trump, coupled with everything that's going on right now. Like you have the executive orders that Trump just signed that because apparently Congress can't get it together as far as the uh, another relief package for the American people. So Trump kind of intervenes. He signs an executive order. It's not the $600 additional unemployment benefits, but now it's going to be $400. They're pushing evictions, I think, to the end of the year. It's a, like a, it's a big, big relief package. Now, he does expect in this executive order 25% of what's being funded to come from the states themselves. Pelosi is making the argument that the states don't have the money, this, that, and the other. But... Nonetheless, Trump did something while the rest of Congress is bickering back and forth. Very interesting right now that they're, they're finding all of this stuff more or less working against them because now Trump is kind of in his own way using the coronavirus as like a political ticket like they have been using it. Furthermore, 
the poll numbers are starting to close. It's starting to get tight. They're saying that Trump's within striking distance. I think there's even one poll now that actually has him ahead in like nationally. Kind of crazy that like they're so ill-prepared and things are just kind of slipping away from them. And I guess more or less coinciding with everything that we just talked about in terms of these Biden gaps. Do you think this was the nail in the coffin for Biden as far as the black vote? The black vote? I think it's been pretty much dead. And I just think at this point, he's just... Like, like, I think the Charlemagne one was bad because the thing is, you have to think about this, man. We're we're into hip hop, so we 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 watch the whole. You know, we we love Charlemagne the God. We enjoy his interviews. We know about him, and the demographic in which you would have Joe Biden and Charlemagne the God. It just does not help you. This is just adding to the fire. It's like already a big ass dumpster fire, and you just. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you could be this dumb to say these things. Like, I don't... So, I think it's been pretty pretty bad. And I think that ever since Kanye West has culturally been in the picture when it comes to, to all this situation, people are starting to have these conversations in yeah. general. And, and you're starting to see a, a difference. And really, honestly, 2016 was not impressive for Hillary. Because you have to also think about this. Trump did better percentage-wise than McCain. And he did better percentage-wise than uh, Romney. And I think he did better percentage-wise... No, no. I don't know if against Bush. It was close. But, you know, you would think going into the 2016 election, this is the most racist, bigoted, homophobic, horrible person. Don't vote for him. And yet you polled better. Like once the numbers were, were shown in 2016 against Hillary, that, that's pretty terrible news because now you're already starting higher than McCain and Romney who did not, who didn't even have the press, the bad press that, that, that Trump had. Yeah. So I think this has been just a slow moving thing. And then Joe Biden is just adding fire to it and he's just making comments that that even people who who vote, vote blue, no matter who, they're starting to be like, man, you're making this hard. I'm probably if I I might not vote for Trump, but maybe I might just like fall the fuck back because I, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, I think that's what's going on with the black vote in terms of Biden. I think Trump has a percentage of the black vote that's very enthusiastic because some of these black and Hispanic. MAGA people like some of them are more enthusiastic than even white people Yeah. so whatever percentage of black and Hispanics that Trump has it's a very enthusiastic percentage so if it's 10 to 13 percent of the black vote that's a 10 to 13 percent that's gonna like really be out there voting for him and pushing him on Twitter, yeah. this, that, and the other. And I think what happens is a combination of 
when Biden says the things that he has been saying, and he has all these gaffes, especially these racist ones, coupled with the enthusiasm that you see from the black and brown Trump people, I don't think it's enough to kill Biden's black vote because there are still a lot of people that have like this really um, over overly glorified remembrance of what the Obama years were. Yeah. So I and they they naturally latch Biden to the Obama years. So those people I think will vote for Biden regardless of whatever shit comes out of his mouth. But I do think all of that stuff is enough to take at least a third of the black vote away from Biden. Not necessarily give it to Trump, but enough for, like you said, for them to sit it out and be like, yeah, I'm going to just fall back. And it seems like that may be enough to for Biden to lose the election. Now, do you think that Trump might do better percentage-wise in 2016? Because this is a thing, too, and it's very... It's very telling. You don't see Latinos and blacks enthusiastic about Biden the way no, I've No, you seen. don't see anybody enthusiastic about Biden. What you see with Biden is voting against Trump. And was it on Fox News? This was some weeks ago, a pollster. She, she was on there and she was saying that the reality is two-thirds of Biden's support is really not Biden's support. It's just anti-Trump. Yeah. So so that that is is uh it's pretty telling. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and and so yeah, I don't I don't see anybody really really enthusiastic about Biden. I also as things progress, it's I, I guess for the black and brown vote, I think what is it's going to really like boil down to is the question, in these four years, have you found that your life has become better in a realm that politics has an effect on? So that's that. For many, I think the answer would be yes, because the job numbers suggest that, the stock market suggest that the economy numbers suggest that like the numbers suggest that but we also don't know how deeply rooted identity politics is and how much people latch their identities into their vote and so some of them may not vote for Trump, even though their life may be better just based yeah. off of identity politics. I think a lot of that will be revealed this election. Yeah. Um, and look where we grew up, too. It's an urban environment. And I've had, when when I was in, 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 in high school, high school teachers basically say, yeah, Fidel Castro is a hero. I believe in communism. Yeah. And I remember there was classes in which they would it would just be propaganda being taught. Like, I thought this was an English class. Why are we being taught all this? Mm -hmm. And see, with me, what would happen is I would take all this information. I'd be like, damn, this is some wild ass shit. I'll go home, and then I would ask my parents. Like, oh, hey, they were talking about this, this, and that. 
my dad did a very good job of differentiating what she was saying and saying, well, this is why this, she's saying this, this is why I don't think it's right. And uh, it was like a very good opposing thought. Imagine maybe if, 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 if the child doesn't talk to the parents about it and they just, oh, well, this is some fucked up shit. It, it kind of becomes a thought process that, yes, it makes it, Jesus Christ, what was that? Spring or something. But anyway, it makes it where you think through school, and then obviously we know how, how, how left uh, college has been for a very long time, even before we were born, how leftist politics kind of took over that realm when it comes to academia, higher academia. Um, you start seeing why people are stuck with, with that because it's like it's a whole pl playbook. It really is. Yeah, and I, I think really what serves as the antithesis to all of that is when people start to live in the real world mm -hmm. and they see, okay, things are not what we were told. Because yeah. I know so many people that we've grown up with, different fields, different backgrounds, that had one way of thinking when we were younger and now the real world has slapped them in the face and they realize, okay, yeah, things are not like this. Things are not like that. Things are not like this. All that slew of shit that you were taught in school that their parents never navigated them or helped them navigate to challenge. Yeah. So there, that is a segment. And I think a lot of times maybe those people don't necessarily like lean all the way to the right. But I think a lot of those people seeing everything going on it would be enough for them to at least sit the election out. Um, also, a lot of the commentators on the left wing, with the exception of really the only one I can think of off top is Bill Maher, they're very detached from what's really, really going on. A perfect example I was watching a segment of the most recent episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. He had on there uh, a Democrat political strategist and then some author. I don't remember her name. And uh, it was a pretty good episode. Obviously, it's like it's it's uh, set up very differently now because yeah. you don't have the live audience and everything like that. But it was still pretty decent considering he doesn't really have the crowd to feed off of and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And in that segment with Bill Maher, he be, he uh, brings up uh, uh, Bill Clinton on a pedophilia island. Now, when he brings that up, and and he well, essentially what he's saying in that segment is like, why can't the Clintons just get the fuck out of here? And I think he he has a good reason to say that because he, his his rationale is that they're a distraction, which what we I said that that was my assessment on last week's episode, and it's funny that he echoed that same assessment, is that no matter what happens, there's going to be a segment of the voting block and a segment of society that's naturally gonna associate the Clintons and this pedophilia island shit with the Democratic Party. Yes. Just naturally. Mm -hmm. And that's what Bill the argument Bill Maher was making is like, why don't they get the fuck away so that like we don't have that 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 shadow cast over us as the Democratic Party? 
So what was so funny about that is that the Democratic political strategist, when he was on there and Bill Maher brought that up, he scoffed at that. He was like, oh, and then Bill Maher, and what was badass in true Bill Maher fashion, he checked dude on it. He's like, yeah, you're making that face, but it's a real thing. Like he, he checked his ass and I was like, fucking right. That's so Bitch, great. Be humble. Like, like he's like, you're making that face, but it's a real thing. And like the guy, like he, he cleaned up, like he kind of like straightened up and like you could tell he had a, a very like cringe worthy face. He was upset about that whole little thing, but it's true. But, but it was so funny about that is that that guy just recently wrote a book um and i i i, I want to say greg beliga be, be, be something something like that i, I don't want to butcher the name i don't really know i don't i don't i don't know i can't remember his name off top but he recently wrote a book about how trump can be defeated in this upcoming election and when bill maher asks him about some of the strategy that he puts in the book to beat trump it's like really like stupid tone deaf stuff like oh set your watch uh every every democratic politicians to set their apple watch and they talk about something they should bring up how trump wants to gut social security medicaid and medicare just just that that's what that's what uh we need to just keep talking about it's just like so old school elite Democrat shit that like doesn't even really apply right now. Nobody's yeah. talking about that, dude. Like you're so detached. And it, and then what was so funny about that is in that same monologue, the guy goes on to say some of the things that he thinks Bill Clinton should say in campaigning or helping Biden. No, <laughs> Bill Clinton should not be out there helping. But like, are you fucking insane? Like, yeah. I'm I'm not on the left. I don't want them to win. I don't fucking I don't want Biden to win. But if I was a strategist, I would be like, somebody get dude the fuck off of TV. Yeah. He is a maniac that you would even right now want Bill Clinton anywhere near the Democratic Party. Bill, stay the fuck away. Yeah, I mean, seriously, because I mean, it was funny. That, but I don't want to interrupt you. Hold that thought. It was just funny the other day. You know that that explosion in Beirut that that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he did this, but Bill Clinton tweeted like you know about like you know you know you know those people over there need help. Pray for them. This that and the other. Yeah. On the retweets and the comment retweets and the replies, it was nothing but Epstein shit. Nothing but ah. Epstein shit. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Just stay away from it. it. It's a it's a mess. It's a mess. And and, and even if, if if there wasn't any conspiracy, look, look at what happened with with the Republican Party for a very long time. They could not move on. They could not modernize. That's what Trump did his own thing, came out of nowhere and took the Republican Party as his own. Yeah. It wasn't he didn't play their game. He was like, no, you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, when it comes to to, to uh, the whole border situation, you guys keep f pussyfooting. I'm not going to pussyfoot. I'm not going to do this. You guys are more on some globalist shit. I'm going to be nationalist. I'm going to... He literally took his own game, like, playbook and was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do because what you guys are doing isn't working. And that, that's basically what happened. That's, I think, what has to happen to the left, essentially, because it's like it, 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 it's like uh, 
the past administration is just throwing out people from 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 that uh, administration. All right, all right, Hillary, you you see what you could do. All right, oh, well, it couldn't. All right, here, Biden, but it's the same administration. Same things that did not work. Same things that people voted voted against. And really, the, their only saving grace was the charismatic nature of Obama. That was really because like he lost. I think besides him winning the elections. He was always on the losing end. His party was on the losing end for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was really your only saving grace. Everything else, it, it, it wasn't bad. Like, that's why, that that's actually why he didn't change. Uh, or uh, rather, he didn't get to, to, to do too many other things was because the Republicans took the House right away. Yeah. And it was gridlock. So... His policy wasn't that popular with American people. No. It was just, again, his charismatic nature, first black president, that whole historic thing. Oh, we got we got to that point. But other than that, really, they haven't been popular for a very long time, and they masked it with him. Now that he's gone, you have nothing. And the only person that you had, and even then, I don't think that he would have done, uh, he wouldn't have won in 2016, but... The only person that you saw that enthusiasm was w- was with Bernie. Every time they tried, remember with uh, what was it, Kennedy? Uh, yeah. That that red-haired kid slobbering all over himself. Yeah. They kept trying to throw. He's throw gone. Him. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I, he, yeah, I don't know where dude is. <laughs> They're trying to like basically like we're gonna get someone young and with, with a name, and we could maybe push him, and it didn't work. And I think what happened is. They, they've had a, a whole hangover from 2016 and they haven't gotten over it. And then instead they, of planning... They haven't put in the work Yeah, and you yeah. were about to get into it because yeah. they had no planning. There was no exactly. footwork. Yeah. No footwork and now you're throwing a guy with early onset Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever and it's not looking good. Because at this point where the polls are was where the polls were, I think, going into the election with Hillary. Trump was kind of down on most polls. I think, uh, what? how do you say, Rasmussen? Rasmussen. Yeah, Rasmussen. That was the only one that had them a lot more even. Uh, even. If I, if, and actually, it might have had Trump up by a little bit against Hillary. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. They haven't debated. You're in a basement, Joe. <laughs> you keep fucking up. Yeah. I. Oh, my God. What sort of <laughs> just endless well of ammunition is Trump going to have just off of Biden's gaffes alone. Let Never mind policy. Never mind China ties, corruption ties, spying on Trump's election. Never mind all of that stuff. Just the gaffes alone. Yeah. Yeah. This is, that is going to be interesting. And, and actually right now Trump's campaign amongst other things is pushing to have a fourth debate yeah. uh, and they want to and they want to have that debate before any uh, vote is casted because you know like in a few weeks uh, certain states are going to be able to start doing like their absentee voting and everything yeah. like that very very interesting um it's crazy what a what a crazy election year what a crazy like both sides both campaigns i knew we were going to talk a lot about this stuff this year because obviously it's an election year and like this stuff is very important 
and just it kind of ties into every aspect of life but i didn't know it was going to be like this wild of a ride and i didn't yeah. know biden was going to be <laughs> this horrible of a candidate yeah and you know what it, it was funny because i remember there was a point where like in 20 well yeah about 2016 2017 where we're like man we got to talk about different stuff but it's literally like the headlines yeah. we want to talk and it's it's 2020 it's we're going to have a lot of episodes talking about this stuff just because of like you said the wild nature of w- what's going I on I mean and what else what else is really like trending like like this is the stuff that's trending this is the stuff that's current every now and again like something will be able to rear its head into the news cycle that's yeah. different and we cover it like the August Alcina thing and we'll latch it to something philosophically going on MGTOW yeah. shit is Will Smith a cuck like all that type of shit <laughs> but like but but that's not that's not really the bulk of the news cycle the yeah. news cycle is Trump the election Biden gaffes and 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 we cover it from all different angles yeah now now quick question because I mean before we we move on I, I just think that I do find it very weird so due to the fact that identity politics has played a role on the left for such a long time do you feel that minorities specifically latinos and blacks kind of have been doomed in a way because of the way they process things on a more emotional level rather than a logical level like I feel, because and 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 let me kind of mention that that whole intersectional graph again. It's basically designed for you to somehow, in a way, kind of feel bad or empathize. And and if you fast forward to now, that's where you get those memes where it has like, uh, um, like the equality and equity thing. Yeah. And and you start seeing that where it's like you start thinking about everything that's wrong with someone. And, oh, we need to help them. We need to help them. Whereas we're not looking at it logically in the sense of, well, life throws you the cards and you play them how you're dealt them, kind of. So do you feel like that has played a, a part and we've been doomed for that long? Yeah, like, I think... First off, with like the whole, I know what meme you're talking about, and like that that image, um, the illustration like circulates the internet quite a bit of the equality versus equity, and on the equality one, it's like a short guy, a medium height guy, and a tall guy, a fence, and behind the fence, a ball game. They give each one of those a crate. With the crate, the tall guy could could see over the fence and he would be able to see over the fence even without the crate the medium guy he can see over the fence but like he's struggling a little bit but he could still see over it and even with the crate the little guy can't see over the fence even with the crate and then equity for the equity segment is the tall guy can see over the fence without a crate the the medium guy has a crate or or how many crates does he have at, at what, the, the, the one, one in the middle yeah the equity uh basically the middle guy has one crate which he equ- uh, makes him equal to the other guy and then the guy all the way in to the right has two crates to right make them equal exactly so 
I've seen that, and like that shit is just such nonsense. Number one, like if we're talking about seeing a fucking baseball game, well then yeah, give whoever the fuck needs a crate a crate because <laughs> like what does it what does it cost or whatever. Yeah. But this notion that it's just so easy to create like a level playing field for everybody. Yeah. It's impossible because everybody makes different decisions. And I think to kind of correlate that with your question and answer it, yeah, like it, it is something that I think at times in certain segments of the black and brown community, they, it, it is a, a, a process or a mental process and a way of thinking that they do more or less hold themselves back at times because it's really it's really like Marxism like just veiled differently and in a capitalist society it just like it's just not gonna pan out very well for you because you can never control like what somebody gives you because even what they give you you may feel that you deserve more and I think what will end up happening is in time the same thing that ended up happening with Marx's argument see with Marx's argument when it came to like socialism and communism and and everything that he was pushing for what ended up happening it it, it was a, an economic argument of like the working man versus like the capitalist mm -hmm. and what ends up happening is you realize in a capitalist society the working man, yeah, maybe you're not able to get to the level of the CEO or like the very, very rich 1%, 10% or whatever the case, but you look around and you have a life that's like pretty great. I mean, like look at now, look at the middle class now, how many TVs, they got internet access, cell phones, how many cars, how many bedroom houses, like, like that's the average, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So you see that the proletariat, that was Mark's term for like the working people, you see that they had to like switch who the proletariat was because naturally the working man is going to like realize, well, your argument is not really me really getting me anywhere. And even if it does get me somewhere, I realize I could get a lot further by working for myself because yeah, yeah. right now the Pelosi and all the Democrats could come out and be like in this COVID relief package, we're going to give everybody a bicycle. Everybody's going to get a bicycle. Right. Yeah. And so and maybe they will make good on their promise to give everybody a bicycle. But what if a person feels like, well, if I work and I work a little bit of overtime, get another job, I could get a car. So I don't like, yeah, you could give me the bicycle. I'll take it. But like, I don't really want a bicycle. So the, the cap of what you can provide me is nowhere near as close as the cap or the, the ceiling. If there even is a ceiling on what I could provide myself. That's the economic argument. What you start to see happen, and like you start to see that from uh, and who introduces this argument into academia, is this guy Herbert Marcuse. And I was I've been reading a little bit about him lately because in two of the books that I've read lately, um, the Calling of the American Mind and uh, the United States of Socialism, his teachings are taught or they're talked about in there, and how this guy essentially. What he does as a sociologist is realize that you could take the Marxist argument, but you could apply it anywhere else. So it doesn't just have yeah. to be about economics. Now you could apply it to height, which in that equality, equity, 
uh, yeah. uh, uh, meme illustration that they have out there. Yeah. That's like a Marxist. They put they applied Marxism to that or intersectionality, color. So you could really like deem something a disadvantage and then apply a Marxist argument to it. For instance, right now, the a smart the smartest dude in the world could roll in here, but he's paralyzed and in a wheelchair. And society could deem him a disadvantage, but he himself might be like, well, no, I'm not disadvantaged. I mean, yeah, I, I can't walk, but yeah. like I could do this, I could do this, I could do that. So he may not see himself as disadvantaged at all. But even in that, in and of itself, a Marxist argument can be applied to yeah. it. So that's kind of like what Herbert Marcuse does. The only thing that like shifts that, and I think that's where why the left is so scared of people like us or people like Candace Owens or people like Milo Yiannopoulos is because people that are supposed to be the new proletariat you, that, that feel like they're disadvantaged by their color or by their weight or or if they're gay or, or straight or their religion or whatever and don't think that way, it scares the shit out of them because now like you already kind of lost the economic argument, but now you may be starting to lose that intersectional argument. Yeah. And and I think that's that's when you'll see more black and brown people step away from that. And then what the left will come up with after that, who the hell knows? Yeah. Now, to give you guys an illustration of that graph, this is what a privileged person, these are like where, where you would have to hit. So the line is divided, and I guess the, uh, uh, the line is called domination. And this is a privileged person. You're male, masculine, or female, feminine. Male, as far as sex. White, European heritage, heterosexual. Wealth, financial stability, non-disabled, mental good health. Credentialed, young, attractive, upper and upper middle class. Angiophones, light pale skin, Gentile, non-Jew, fertile. That's privileged. All those are the marks of someone that's privileged. Someone that's not privileged. Infertile, Jews, dark skin, English as additional languages, working class, unattractive, old, non-literate, disabled people, mentally ill people, poor, financially insecure people, LGBTQ, non-European origin, black minority ethnic people, female, and gender deviant. They really right. try and, to touch on and, every and, and single aspect. And all this stuff that, like, to those particular people in those particular segments may not feel disadvantage in any way shape or form i knew a cuban guy he retired a millionaire motherfucker was illiterate he didn't know he didn't know to read english or spanish didn't know how to speak english you know what i'm saying but so i and you ask him chilling on the beach somewhere with probably some like butt naked fucking 20 30 year old girl next to him if he feels disadvantaged <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so it's all a mind game like yeah. there's no white person that's better than me i'm the greatest of all time that's what you should tell yourself anything that you do and and those people would want him to somehow fit himself into that intersectional proletariat but a person like that would not and that's yeah. the thing you're seeing more and more that do not that's why like black and brown Trump supporters are so scary to the left wing yeah. because of that. Like that's why they hate Candace Owens. Like, like, and Larry Elder. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they don't fuck with like you know uh, Charlie Kirk, but Charlie Kirk is saying what they expect. Yeah, him he's to. a white 
But Candace Owens and Larry Elder is like is a like a complete and utter betrayal to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's very very interesting. Anyway, moving on to the next segment. Uh, kind of funny, kind of trollish, kind of interesting. The White House, in the midst of everything going on, reaches out to South Dakota Governor, uh, 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 what's her name? I think it's like Christy Noem, I believe. Yeah, Christy Noem. Uh, and they uh, kick off some inquiries about how to put the president on Mount Rushmore. Now, as many of you know, he had a 4th of July speech at Mount Rushmore. Uh, the left wing said that it was a very div- divisive and fear-mongering speech. The right wing loved it. There were some people that comments on pol- on politics that actually thought that it was his best speech of his presidency. Uh, so there's a, you know there's a little bit of 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 uh, trendiness with South Dakota and Mount Rushmore right now. What do you think of just the inquiry alone? Trump's worthy. So three questions. The inquiry, Trump's worthiness of being put on Mount Rushmore. And how would you feel if he was actually put on Mount Mount Rushmore? So the inquiry, his worthiness, and how would you feel if it actually gets done? The inquiry uh, makes a whole lot of sense because our president has the name Trump on a lot of buildings uh-huh. and understands that that does add to legacy. That's a man who, like we've we all know, could have right now been golfing, not doing anything, and living off of the fruits of his labor. But his push and his drive come from the fact that he wants to leave an imprint. So the inquiry is not surprising at all. If anything, is right up his alley. So uh, that I'm not surprised at all. As far as his worthiness, by far, I think he's worthy of, of, of that. Now, that's by far. If he wins re-election, we have to see there's another four years. It's like it's like telling someone, oh, yeah, you're the greatest of all time. But no, you're still, you're still, you could literally have the next four years could be the, the worst four years. The opposite of the, yeah. Yeah, so, so I don't. I would say up to now, yes. Uh, I'm quite impressed in all facets of Trump's presidency because I don't think a Republican, pre- anyone else than Trump, a Republican president would have been able to withstand this type of treatment. So I think while that, getting shit done, yeah, while getting shit done, yeah, and um. I mean, just look at it, the executive orders. Look at the bills that he's passed. I mean, the first hundred days, Jesus, iced. Um, he's been on top of it, and I, we we called it. We actually did call it. We said, above all else, he'll be a very good economic president. And I mean, we've had COVID nineteen, and our job our jobs are coming in faster <laughs> now. After all that situation, like this is the president to have for something like this. Yeah. So I'm very impressed. Um, and if the next four years um, happen to be more of this, and also culturally, he's been a monkey wrench too. Like we, we talk about how, how um, who is it? Kanye West is, is, is uh, like 
kind of like some he's on some neo shit in the matrix like hey, this is how it should be that's that's basically trump has been probably the most cultural president uh in a, in a, at least in a very long time mm-hmm. so i i feel culturally we needed this we needed somebody to be roughly right yeah extra sauce on the roughly and then the third part you what was the third part of the question is how would you feel if it actually happens if if oh well, okay so if it, if it happens and he's just a one-term president i would feel no i'm saying him be on rushmore mount rushmore oh yeah that's what i'm saying because i can only judge off of what i've seen yeah so let's say november 3rd was his last day i highly doubt it but we'll just say these four years um yeah he, he i would feel pretty good I would feel like he definitely protected us. Um, I feel what you said in the last few episodes, how how this election, and it's, and you even said it, it's, like, it's going to sound cliche, but I don't think it is. I, I think that it is, it's, it's like truly a very scary time if the left wins because of all the tactics that they've used and, yeah. and where they're at right now. I don't want to see them win. Even if I didn't like Trump, I would vote for Trump. Even if I didn't like him. Just yeah. because they need to get all this uh, extreme leftism out of the way and start talking real policy and stop crying. And, and, and I mean, look at, the, look at where from January to now, today is what, August 9th? Mm-hmm. So f- from January to August 9th, I mean... If you would have told me we would have had riots, looting, this, this, and that, social unrest, and then it'd be blamed on Trump instead of the actual Marxist movements that are fueling this, that's a scary, that's very scary. So for him to win goes above and beyond what it it means, a symbol of the modern times. A man Mm -hmm. who came in, protected what the United States is. Because yeah. that's the thing you have to understand. Like these movements, these protests have become more than just per- police brutality. It's it's more than that. It's anti-American. So a, a lot of it, a lot of it is laced with like, again, we've we've talked about it. Marxist undertones, feminism. What? And, and I'm not talking about no first wave feminism. I'm talking about what feminism is today. If we were to break all these movements down. They're basically anti-American, anti-capitalist, you know, and that to me is 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 a sign of of like for for him to be on the face of this, to protecting us from that, and really completely changing America for what it is. That's a scary notion, especially yeah. me being Latino, you being Afro-Latino, like we're we're doing what we have to do. To keep growing. And now you're going to take that away from me? I don't need anyone's help. I don't need anyone's help. I don't need anyone to tell me that I can't do anything. Just stay out of my way. Let me win championships with me and my team. That's all I want. I don't want any help. I don't want anyone telling me how oppressed I am. I don't stay out the way. And I think that that's basically what his presidency has been and what his policy has shown. And that's that's how I feel about it all real decent well that's our episode for this week thank you guys so much for listening the show continues to grow because you guys keep listening so keep on listening 
Check us out on Twitter. We'll be back next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.